0: For joining us for the latest message at Island Church. Well, it's an honour to be here, like my wife said at the beginning. You know, um, and I don't treat this as coming to a different church. You know, we're all one family. This is Island Church, okay? We're all one family, the same church in Dundalk, the same church here, you know, different members, but it's all the one body, okay? So I, I, I'm looking forward to this this morning and um, it's, a, it's an honour and a privilege to come and share the Word with you and share what God's been putting in my heart. And, um, you know, I'm just going to encourage you this morning. Who needs some encouragement? We all need encouragement at times. Amen? Encourage ourselves in the Lord and to encourage each other. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. When we get around like-minded people, like-minded individuals, we can build ourselves up in the Word. We can, you know... Be there for one another and show each other, you know, um, just have each other's backs and just keep ourselves in the right path. Amen? So I'm just going to encourage this morning, but I will also say, okay, I teach from the Word, okay? I teach from the Word of God. So this isn't Jason speaking, this isn't, you know, just something that I've made up. It is, you know, from the Holy Spirit. I teach from the Word of God. And you know what? The Word of God challenges. The Word of God challenges. If we're never challenged, we won't grow, okay? So if you feel nudges this morning or anything uncomfortable, I promise you I didn't put anything under your seat, okay? So we'll just go with what the Word says, go with what the Holy Spirit wants to do, amen? So if you want to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this morning. Well, for the most part. Are you glad you came to church this morning? A great place to start your week. The first day of the week. Doing it the right way, church. You've made the right decision to surround yourself in his presence. You know, when I know pastor says it all the time here. And we say it in Dundalk. His presence and his word, it changes everything. So you surround yourself with those things. I'm telling you, your life will be transformed. Your life will change for the better. Because his word is incorruptible. The seed of his word is incorruptible. It does not return void. Can I get a better amen than that? Come on. It does not return void. His word is incorruptible. His presence. There's nothing like it. There's no other high. There's no other fix. There's nothing else that can come close to what his presence can do in your life. It is, it, it'll transform your life. So Nadine stole probably my message. Even in the first few minutes that she opened with. So I'm gonna be talking, <laughs> and she probably do it better than me as well. So but we're, we're talking I'm gonna to talk to you about and I want to encourage you, and this is what the Lord gave me. I was praying the other day about what the Lord would want me to, to share with you guys this morning, and you know, he I was reading this this these verses in Second Peter chapter one. And he spoke to me and he said, Don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Okay, and they're the words that he spoke to me. And I was like, right, Lord, where do you want me to go with this? And then it just he just started pouring things out, as he does. Okay, so this is where the direction I'm going to go. And I'm going to be speaking about faith this morning. Right? We all need our faith encouraged and built up and edified. Amen? So God desires for us to grab a hold of what he has, put in his word, and apply it to our lives. Do you know that this morning? He desires, just like I said, just like the Holy Spirit was trying to... to tell us this morning. It was just all over me. It was just a lot of line with what I'm going to be sharing about and what we opened up with and just the whole service. But just he is willing. He desires to get to you what you need. He desires for you to receive what he has for you. Okay. It's not that he's withholding it. It's not that he's sitting up in heaven, you know, with his fists tightly closed saying, okay, do this and I might release something to you. He's already done it. You already have it on the inside of you in your spirit, man, when you're reborn in the spirit of God, he has given you all that you need. And that's what we're going to be talking a wee bit about this morning. So he wants us to be walking in victory. He wants us to be rising above our circumstances as the overcomers he's called us to be. Did you know that you're an overcomer this morning? You're an overcomer in Christ Jesus, not based on you, yourself, or your own, your, what you can do and your ability as such, but you're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. See, everything is in him. You need to start identifying yourself in him and stop looking at yourself as in who you are, what you've achieved or accomplished. Everything is about being in him. He wants you to be rising above the circumstances. He desires our lives. He desires for us to be living our lives pleasing to him. He wants us to please him. He wants us to to do what he's called us to do. So what does this type of life look like? A life of faith, church. A life of faith is a life that pleases God. What did God say? In Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please me. It is impossible to please God. Enoch, when it spoke about Enoch, how he was just taken up, didn't see death. It said he pleased the Lord. Do you, how, if you think about that for a second, how amazing would that be for God to say that about you? I want God to say that about me. I'm, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. We have to live a life of faith. But see, the good news is, even though we said it's impossible to please him without faith, he's a good God. Amen? He's a generous father. He is, uh, he is so merciful and long-suffering with us. He wouldn't expect us to do something that we can't do. He wouldn't put anything on us that we can't achieve. So when he said it's impossible to please him... That, or to, it's impossible to please him without faith. It means that we can have the faith to please him. Okay? So that is the good news this morning. In fact, the Bible tells us that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of the Son of God, Galatians 2.16. It's not your faith. It's not our faith. And the, if you have that translation in your Bible where it says the faith in the Son of God, cross that in out and change it to of because it's an incorrect translation in the Greek. It's the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith. Our human faith couldn't have saved us. He imparted his faith to us. It's a fruit of our spirit. It's his faith. Okay? Our human faith, our human faith is, you know, when you come into this room and you sit on that chair and you you have faith in the chair that it's going to keep you up. Okay? That, that's your human faith. Right? But his faith is what saved us. It's his faith, not ours. It's a fruit of our spirit. You know, as children of God, we are qualified to be partakers of the, pro- of the precious promises, promises that he's laid out for us in his word. But we can disqualify ourselves from receiving those through lack of faith. Through lack of faith. We can disqualify ourselves from receiving them. We can hinder ourselves. We can stop ourselves from receiving from him if we have no faith. Okay? Okay. So we need to get rid of all the excuses of why it doesn't work for us. We need to get rid of all the excuses of why it's too difficult or why it's too hard because of this or because of that and get rid of all them excuses and realize that we have been given it. It's his faith. Like I said, if you're born again, if you're a child of God, it's his faith on the inside of you. And as Nadine said this morning, we were given the measure of faith. Romans 12 verse 3. So that's why we can't be using our excuses to, you know, justify it. We need to be, because we realize we're all given the measure of faith. I have the same faith as each and every one of you. Pastor Ryan has the same faith as each and every one of us. Okay, we all were given the same measure of faith. So with that being said, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a bond servant a bond slave, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, our God and Savior Jesus Christ. There's another translation in the ESV of that verse. It says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, church, this is coming from the Holy Spirit. Peter, you know, this is another thing we need to remember. All inspiration, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Man didn't write these. The Holy Spirit wrote it. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. Man put it to paper, but it's, it was inspired, divinely inspired by the Spirit of God. So this is the Holy Spirit telling us that we've got the same faith as Peter. Do you believe that this morning? Because that's what the Word says. I'm telling you what the Word says. We've the same faith as Peter. We've been given like precious faith. I've entitled this message like precious faith because we need to remind ourselves and it is a great encouragement to us when we remember, when we read the word of God, when we read all of these about these men and women of God in the Bible that that were used mightily by him in signs and wonders and miracles that we have the same faith. We've been given the measure of faith as they have. So this is coming from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter, who God used mightily, like I said. Peter's writing this to every believer. This is an epistle. This is written to the church. Written to every believer. That includes you and I. So we've all received a faith of the same kind or of equal standing to Peter and everyone else that we read about in the Word. We either believe what the Word says in its entirety, or we don't. We can't take sections of the Word, you know, that we can manage and we can say, right, okay, I can apply my faith to that. And then the other parts that we can not apply our faith to or aren't working for us, we say, well, no, we can't just ignore those things. You need to take the word of God in its entirety and apply it to your life. This is what the word says. We've the same faith as these men and women of God. So there's no such thing as a lesser faith. Okay. The faith we have all received is by the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So we can't say that it's easier for somebody else. Oh, it's okay for you to say that because you're a pastor. It's okay for you to say that because, you know, you spend, you know, that's what you spend your life doing. Or it's okay for that person because they didn't go through this. It's okay for that person because they didn't go through that. Excuses. It's excuses. That's why I said you need to get rid of them. Rid of your excuses. Okay? Because this is what the Bible says. Same like precious faith. So as believers, we've all been given the same measure of faith and it's our choice whether we apply it or not. Now, the faith that we've received can be dormant or it can be less exercised than, than others. But it's the same measure, okay? Treat it like, look at it like a muscle. You have to exercise. When you go to the gym, your muscles get built up. You, know, you encourage the growth in your body. Faith is the same way we were given the same measure of faith, but if you do nothing with it, it's just going to be dormant. And that's where you're not going to be able to receive. But it doesn't mean we were given less faith. It just means that you're not applying it. So church, this excites me. What about you? Does this excite you this morning? Does this encourage you to know that you've been given the same faith as Peter? It is possible for each and every one of us to walk in victory and to live our lives as an example of God's goodness to the people around us. Do you think, do you honestly think that God wants Christians, wants believers walking around down in the dumps? Does he want Christians walking around, you know, just getting beaten and beaten and, you know, just like, you feel like you're just down and when you, even if you do get back up, you're knocked back down again. He doesn't want you living like that. Like I said, he's, you've been called... To be an overcomer in Christ. An overcomer. He doesn't want you carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. He wants you joy-filled. The joy of the Lord is your what? Your strength. You need strength this morning? Stir up that joy. Oh, but I don't have joy. Are you born again? You have joy. You have to choose joy. Joy isn't happiness. Joy isn't a feeling. You see... (laughs) This is where people get mixed up. This is where the carnality starts coming in of, oh, I don't feel like I have joy. I don't feel these things. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. The feeling is, that's what, when the Bible says, you know, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That carnally minded, it means constantly so focused on your five senses. It means, getting, it means being stuck in that physical realm not being spiritually minded. Spiritually minded is what brings life and peace. So don't be so focused on what your feelings are telling you. Happiness is a feeling. It comes and goes based on your circumstances. If, 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 if your doorbell rang tonight or, or your phone went off later when you left here and somebody says you've won 100,000 pounds, that's going to stir a lot of happiness right there it's based on your circumstances if you get a phone call on Monday morning from somebody that says you owe a hundred thousand pound you ain't going to be so happy joy is not a feeling folks you have to choose joy it's a fruit of your spirit now how can we stir that joy up many ways we can praise him we can worship him remember Paul and Silas they were in a position where I'm telling you they had no reason to be joyful they had no, and, they, they, and I'm getting way off track here, but th- this is important to say, right? Joy, I'm telling you, you read that story in Acts chapter 16, I believe it is, when they were in that prison. There weren't the prisons like you see today, with flat screen TVs and PS4s and, you know, walks around the beach. These were, they were in the innermost, they were commanded to be kept in the innermost part of the prison, bound in darkness and damp and rats, rat infested. Beaten. Their bodies were beaten before they were thrown in jail, remember. So their bodies were aching and sore with heavy chains around them in the pitch black. Doing what God called them to do. Yes, they were doing what God was telling them to do. They were apostles of the, you know, they were bringing the gospel to the people around them. They were getting, you know, they were in God's will. But see, church, persecution's going to come. It doesn't mean that it's from God, okay? But what did Paul and Silas do? They started praising him. I'm telling you, that would have been difficult. Who in here has gone through some things where you've you know, made that decision to praise God? And I'm telling you, it was difficult because I tell you, you may start in the flesh, but you'll end up in the spirit. You'll start in the flesh, but you'll end up in the spirit. So you choose joy this morning. You choose to praise him. He wants you to be joy-filled faith warriors. Joy-filled faith warriors who know their authority and who know who you are in him. So I just want to look at a few examples of the faith Peter was exercising. Okay? You know, and many of the times through the word, we can talk about faith. And, you know, you know um, this is the examples I'm going to be reading about, you know, are in the New Testament when after Pentecost, when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, so there's, there's different types of faith. You know, there's your general faith. And, you know, there's that, um, you know, when you're operating the gift of faith, when it's a gift of the Spirit. But I'm just talking about just that like precious faith this morning, okay? So these are the examples that God gave me. And there would have been different times when Peter was operating in, in these different types of things, right? But I want to I show you because it's important. It's important. And keep this in mind, like precious faith. What does that mean? Equal standing to what he had, Equal standing to what Peter had. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. And verse 1. A very popular um, story and and an account in the word that we all should know well, but we're going to go over it. Acts chapter 3 and um, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame, a certain man, lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he waited to see if he was healed before he pulled him up. Does that what it says? And he took him by the hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. You know, church, I love how Peter said, look at us. He knew that he could help this man. He wanted that man to focus on him. When Peter and John were walking past, he said, look at us. This was at the gate of the temple. There would have been many people around. This man was probably used to getting ignored day in and day out, just getting a few things thrown at him, out of pity. So Peter and John, they weren't concerned. They weren't worried about who was around either. They knew that they could help this man. Faith. Do you know that, you know, faith is an unshakable conviction. Faith's not like, oh Lord, I pray for this opportunity. Lord, give me opportunities. When the opportunity comes, oh Lord, I really hope this works. I really hope this works. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a confident expectation. It's not a hope of like, oh Lord, I wish, I hope, I hope I win the lotto. I hope this, gets, this bill gets paid. I hope I get healed. I hope whatever. Hope is wishy-washy. This hope is a different type of hope. Hope is a confident expectation. What does that mean? It's happening. It's happening. Like Nadine said, faith is your manifestation. Not by sight, not what you're feeling, faith. Faith is a substance. It's a thing. It's not a feeling. It's not a, a thing. It is a substance. Okay. Look at us. He knew that he could help them. That they could help him, sorry. So you can imagine that there would have been many people around. But see, they knew the power that was working through them. This was just after Pentecost. This was just after Peter preached his first sermon and 3,000 were added to the church. He knew the authority that he had. You know what church, that's that's what we need to do. We need to be believing in the name of Jesus. That's where our power is. Amen. Our power, our, our, our authority, our identity, it's all wrapped up in him. His name. He gave us the power. He gave us that power to use his name. He's entrusted us with that. It's nothing about what we're doing, but what he's doing in us. So Peter spoke out words of faith, declaring the name of Jesus over that lame man. So what happened directly after this? It always jumps out at me, like I said. Peter grabbed him by the hand and lifted him up. It doesn't say that he waited for the man to feel something or respond. He wasn't waiting around for doubt to take place. See, a lot of the times we speak in faith and then instantly the devil comes to try and seal that seed. And then doubt will be planted. If you grab a hold of doubt, if he gets in your mind, see, that's what he does. He comes and he he tries to plant lies in your head. And if if you take a hold of that lie, if you grab a hold of that, it becomes a stronghold in your life. And he has an area to operate out of. We have the power to break down strongholds. Amen. His name is Jesus. Don't believe those lies. So Peter wasn't waiting around, waiting for that doubt to take hold. He wasn't waiting around to think, oh, maybe this will work, maybe this won't. He grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up because he knew the power that was in that name, when he spoke it, it came into existence. So he grabbed a hold of him and pulled him up. You you see, Peter just didn't, and this is is what a lot of believers, this is what we tend to do at times too, we speak the word, we speak in faith, and then we hightail it out of it before it doesn't work. You know, oh, Peter, or I, what I don't have, what I, I can't give you silver and gold, but what I do have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus. So he didn't just hightail it out of there, pray over him and leave. He pulled him up. You see, church, genuine faith will always produce a corresponding action. That was Peter's action. He grabbed a hold of him and pulled him up. Faith without works is dead. James chapter 2. If you say you've got faith, you can say you can have all the right lingo. You can say all the right words. You can, do, you can know the word of God. But if you don't act on what you're saying, if you don't act on what you believe, your faith is fake. It's phony. That's what the Bible says. James chapter 2 says, Faith without works is dead. Faith without a corresponding action is dead. You need to start acting on your faith. You need to start believing what you're saying and acting on it. So he spoke out in faith and he had an active response to that faith. That man was healed. Oh, but come on, Jason. Peter was an apostle. Peter was one of the pioneers of the early church. Peter walked on water. Peter walked with Jesus. Like precious faith. This is coming from the man who done these things. You and I have that faith. Like precious faith. Acts chapter 9. Tabitha, or known as Dorcas. Once again, we have Peter. Verse 36. There was a certain disciple named Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. She was dead. So the disciples heard that Peter was nearby. So they sent two of his men, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. So when he had come to Joppa, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows were standing around crying, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was alive. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. He presented her alive. Church, what a powerful account of faith in action. What a powerful account of faith here. So Peter put everyone out of that room. You know, whether that, you know, that was a gift working through Peter or whatever. But Peter had that faith. He had that like precious faith. He had that belief in God. See, the belief in God has to be there. So he put everyone out. He got rid of the unbelief. And there's a few things I want to point out here, just as important, of why we disqualify ourselves at times, because this is things that we don't do. So he put everyone out of the room He got rid of the unbelief and he got himself in a place where he could minister to this woman. And this is an important lesson we could all learn. Don't surround yourself with unbelief. Don't surround yourself with naysayers. Oh, but Jason, they have no power over me. Yes, you're right, they don't. They could be speaking something over you and that doesn't mean anything. But see, if you receive what they're saying, that's when it means something. If that thought, if if those words take root in your spirit that's when it becomes a problem. And church, I guarantee you, if you hang around with them long enough, they're going to start influencing you. If you hang around a wet ditch long enough, you're going to slide in. So if you don't cut that out of your life, if you don't cut those those people, if you don't surround yourself with people that are going to be speaking life and speaking faith into you, you're going to be limited in what what you can receive. Okay? Get rid of the unbelief. In verse 40, it says, Peter knelt down and prayed. And this is what I want to show you. He wasn't wasn't praying, asking or pleading to God for him to move and perform this miracle. Oh, right, Peter prayed. Oh, Lord, please, please raise this woman from the dead, Lord. Lord, I know that you can do this. He wasn't praying to get this woman raised from the dead. You say, well, how do you know that? Because in the next verse, he turned and he spoke to her and said, get up. That's why. He spoke words in faith. He wasn't praying saying, oh, please, Lord, please do this. He wasn't begging, pleading with God to perform this miracle. So why did he pray then? He prayed to get himself in the presence of God, to get himself in that place where he could receive from God what he needed to minister to this woman. He put everybody else out, put all the unbelief out, and he sought the Lord. Are you a seeker this morning? Do you seek his presence? Like I said, his word and his presence is what will change your life. That's what transforms everything in your life. Are you a presence seeker? You need to be seeking out his presence. Peter got into that secret place to refresh him in the presence of God and strengthen his faith. Why do I say that? He prayed. I say that because, like I said, he turned around and he said, "Tabitha, arise." That was the words and faith he used. That's how much conviction he had in what the, in what the name of Jesus could do. Oh God, used Peter to raise people from the dead, but he because he had great faith. I couldn't do that. He sure Peter wrote books in the Bible. You know, Jesus was intimate with him. He walked with him. Like I said to you, he'd he done so many great things. He knew Jesus personally. I couldn't do those things. You're right, you couldn't if you keep confessing that. Like precious faith. What does that mean again? We're given equal. We have the equal. The faith we have is equal to what these men and women had. The measure of faith, it's all the one. Another thing I want to point out from these examples, just before we move on, is Peter's had to separate his emotion from his faith. He had to separate his emotion from his faith. If we get caught up in our emotions, these will drive us to unbelief. You see, church, emotions aren't bad, emotions aren't wrong. God gives you emotions. Okay, but you can't let them control you. You can't be led by them. What way are we led by the Spirit of God? We're not led by our emotions. Peter had to separate himself. You say, "Why are you saying those things?" I'm saying them because a lot of the times, and when I was reading these verses, I was just—I tend to picture, you know, what it might have been like to be there in the moments when these things were happening. And, you know, as I was sta- if you were standing on the outskirts of what was happening you you seen Peter coming up, I believe, yes, that he would have been, had that compassion and he would have walked in. W- if they didn't, he wouldn't have stopped and helped this man. He wouldn't have went from another town over to Joppa to, to minister to Dorcas. Okay? But, you see, from the outskirts, it might look like Peter didn't come alongside the lame man and sit down beside him and say, Oh, God love you. God, what must it be like for you, sitting here the whole time, from birth, never been able to walk, and start like glorifying his circumstance? And a lot of the times we mistake that compassion for, you know, coming into it can very much lead into coming into agreement with the very thing that they need to get freed from. Peter had to separate his emotion. Peter didn't join in with the mourners at Dorcas' bedside. Oh, show me those tunics. Show me what she done. Oh, tell me all about her. I'm not saying that these things are wrong to do this, church, but I'm just saying you can't get led by your emotions. You can't get sucked into what's happening in the moment. You can't get sucked into what you need to the very thing that you need to deal with. That you need to speak life to. Peter didn't come into agreement with their situation or their unbelief. He separated himself from that in order to operate in faith. He was intimate with Jesus, and that is how his faith was able to flow. Now, Jesus was moved with compassion when he healed the sick and dealt with the public. He was moved with compassion. That's what kind of you know, compelled him. His love for people compelled him to, to, to do what he'd done for them. Okay, But Jesus never came into agreement with what was happening. Just like that word like, that the Holy Spirit gave their worship there. It was that um, scripture in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus healed the leper. You know, I was reading that one day. And I was just reading it and where it said, you know, the leper came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, you know, Lord, if, if you're willing, cleanse me of this leprosy. And, and you know, he said, yes, I am willing, be cleansed. You know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he says, I, that compassion because it says Jesus had compassion on him and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and said I had compassion I love that man my compassion is towards the person but I hate what's behind it and church a lot of the times we can fall prey to coming into agreement with what's going on behind something behind the exterior that you see we need to stop covering up things in case we Make the person feel uncomfortable, in case we make the people around us feel uncomfortable and it's stopping us from doing what God has called us to do. True love deals with the root of a problem. Go after the root. Go after the root. Don't let compassion turn to pity. Pity has regrets, pity has no answers. We have the answer His name is Jesus, He is the answer. Okay, you can be compassionate. You can walk in, in that compassion towards people. And that's what compels you to do it. Of course, we are compassionate towards one another. But don't come into agreement with things. Don't let it stop you from dealing with the real problem that's there. Amen? We have the answer, church. Peter was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit in everything. When he approached that man to minister him, when he got rid of the unbelief at Dorcas's house, he was led by the Spirit. Don't get carried away by circumstances or people's responses to those circumstances. Stay in the secret place and allow yourself to be able to receive from him. So Peter was a man of a mighty God. Okay, there wasn't really anything mighty from him. He was a man of a mighty God. He was a fisherman. He was humble in all that he'd done. Okay, He served a great God. We have the same measure of faith as he had, or everyone else has. God is no respecter of persons. The question is, are we ready to receive? Are we in a position like Peter was to apply our faith and have zero doubt? Are we in that position this morning? We have the same like precious faith. So what enables us to operate in it? Peter knew the God he served. It is no use knowing what the word says and not having an intimate relationship. Faith is strengthened and encouraged in that place of intimacy. Faith is encouraged in that place of getting into his presence, getting to know him more. If you don't know him, you're not going to trust him. Think of, think of anybody in your life, your spouse, your parents, your children, your friends, anybody that you trust or you hold in that position of trust. Okay, you, you, if you ask them to do something, you know they're going to do it or you know that they have your back or you, you know that they're looking out for you. Why do you know that? Because you know them. You're not going to pull some Joe blog off the street and then ask them to do something for you that's of any importance or that's going to you know, be life or death or anything like that because you don't know the person. You can't know of God, church. You have to know him. It's no use knowing the word, what the Bible says, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, if you're not intimate with him. If we have all received, right, okay, so we've established, we've seen the word says we've received this faith of equal standing, this like precious faith, then why do so many people find it difficult to operate in faith? Why do we read stories about the early church and about Peter and about Paul and about the apostles and about, you know, Jesus himself? And we read these stories and be like, well, how can, why can't we operate in those things? You can always tell if people's operating in faith, first and foremost, by uh, listening to them for about five minutes, sometimes a lot less, your words will give you away. Your words will give you away whether you're in faith or not. Okay? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you believing in your heart? That's what's going to come through your mouth. So what you're planting in there is so important. And then I go back to, again, knowing him. Knowing that relationship, knowing his word, plant it. What you're planting in there is what's going to come out here. What comes out here, when it's mixed with the belief that's in there, power gets released. I believe people struggle to exercise their faith because of either one or two reasons, or sometimes both. They don't have the knowledge of God's word. They don't have the knowledge of God planted in them. Or the knowledge that they did have They've allowed the world to choke it. They've allowed the world to choke it. Let's go back to that verse in 2 Peter, chapter 1. So we've looked at verse 1. We said that Peter, we have this like precious faith. So verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Powerful verses here. So the word tells us that through this dunamis power of God, through that power, that translates dunamis power, we have been given all things pertaining to life and godliness church praise the lord this morning isn't that good news oh but you see why do so many of us spend our time walking around god give me this god give me that god if you want me to do this i'm going to need you to give me this i'm going to need you to give me that give me more lord pour out this pour out that Church, he's already given it to you. It's, that's past tense. See that, has given, it's past tense. You have been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. He's given it to you already. Not that we're going to get it in the future. We have it now. So since we've received the faith of Jesus, remember we said it was his faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, So, and since we've received this in order to accept our salvation and to live according to pleasing him, remember we looked at that also, how we can't please him without faith. So, it's his faith. That faith is one of the things that pertains to life and godliness. We need faith. We need it for life. We need it to operate in godliness. So, we have been given all things pertaining to life. That means you have been given the faith that you need to pertain to life and godliness. Okay, But when we read on, it tells us that these things that pertain to life and godliness, which includes our faith, come through what? The knowledge of him who has called us. So faith comes through the knowledge of him. If we don't know him, like I said, you ain't going to trust him. When people say, I wish I had their faith, I wish I had the faith of the apostles, then I'd be able to overcome what I'm facing. I wish that I was just like the disciples that had Jesus here right now. I'd believe then. No, I if you're saying those things you wouldn't. You'd be like Danton Thomas who wants to see the hands and the holes in his hands. Because what did Jesus say? Blessed are those who believe me and they haven't seen. Impossible to please him without faith. I wish I had the faith of the apostles, then I'd be able to overcome what I'm facing. I, I have a faith problem. No, you don't. You don't have a faith problem because you've, like precious faith, you've a knowledge problem. That's, that's the problem. You've a knowledge problem because your faith is released. Your faith is operated through knowledge, through the knowledge of him, through that intimacy. You do have the same faith you just haven't been able to exercise it because you don't know the word. You don't know him on an intimate level or you don't know enough of it. Or what you have put in, you've allowed the carnality or the cares of this world to choke the word. Remember the parable of the sower. We sow the word. There's four different types of ground. It gets stolen straight away. It falls on shallow ground, rocky ground. It falls on ground, starts to produce, starts to sink in, but then all the weeds start coming up, all the cares of the deceitfulness of riches, the wanting the fame, wanting the money, wanting the fortune, wanting anything but him, putting every, all of your focus on everything else except him. It's choking the word, and it will not, the, that word that's putting in there won't produce fruit. Anybody, green fingers in here, gardeners of any type, you know how hard it is to keep the weeds away. And sometimes you're like, flower grow. You want the, the flower is what is the hardest to grow, what takes the most care and energy and time. The weeds just seem to come up and you don't have to do anything about it. They just come up. You need to take care of those things. You need to be mindful of the cares of this world. All things pertaining to life and godliness come through the knowledge of him. What does Romans ten seventeen say? Faith comes by. hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this is speaking, church, of the revelation knowledge that penetrates through to your spirit and births that faith on the inside of you that produces a faith-filled response. It's not sticking on something in the background while you're going through your day and be like, okay, faith comes by hearing. and I just need to hear, I just need to hear, I just need to hear. And you're putting something in. No, 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 no. That's talking about that rhema word of God. That goes forth through, through by the Holy Spirit through the, when you're reading the word in your personal time, through church, when you hear it from the pulpit, whatever it may be, when the Holy Spirit has to get something to you, it becomes, you know, this is Logos word. This is the written word of God. And then there's the rhema word of God that speaks directly to your spirit. That's when, you know, when you read a verse and you're like, yeah, that's good. And then you read a verse and you can't even sit on your chair because it drops in your spirit. It comes alive to you. That is when the faith is going to be birthed that you can raise the dead, that you can heal the sick, that you can do what God's called you to do. It has to become revelation knowledge. How does it become revelation knowledge? You have to be able to hear from him. How do you hear from him? You get to know him. You have to be intimate. You have to be sensitive to his spirit. Now, church, I know these things are taught here. We have the same pastor. So I know you understand these things. If you don't know his voice or what his word means, you disqualify yourself through lack of knowledge. When the Lord spoke to me when I was reading these verses last week and he said, don't disqualify yourself. See, I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. I'm not withholding anything. You are qualified in what I've done for you, but see, you can disqualify yourself. You can stop yourself from receiving from me. It's not me withholding. It's not me withholding. As believers, we should be filtering what comes through our eye gate and our ear gate. Why is that? Because many people will fill ourselves with the knowledge of the word. That's what will choke it and stop it from producing fruit. Be mindful of those things. The knowledge of God is what you should be filling yourself with. So Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruits of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit, should I say. The fruit of faith will be produced in your life when you fix yourself in the nourishment of God's word. The fruit of faith will be produced in your life. Nourished, come forth. What does John chapter 15 say? Jesus is the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. Unless you abide in me, you will not bear fruit. If the branches aren't attached to the vine, if they're not getting their nourishment from the vine, there's no fruit going to grow on those branches. You want faith produced in your life? You need to get, make sure you're into that vine you may need to make sure that that's com- that he's your source through his spirit and his word see when we protect our relationship with god by not allowing the uh, things of the world or carnal things to come in and choke it you remain in a healthy position and then some might say no i'm i'm, I'm good i i go to church a couple of times a week i read my word every day i do this i do that You know, my environment doesn't matter to me. I can still do those things because I'm going to church. Tell that to the person who invests in the glass house and the greenhouse. And they put their plants or whatever they're growing in a controlled environment where the things of the outside can't affect it. Because let me tell you something, church. Yes, where you plant yourself is important. The soil that you put yourself in is important. But I'm telling you, your environment matters. Your environment matters. So, where what you're allowing to affect yourself, what you're allowing to come in and be surrounded with, it's going to affect you. So, be mindful of those things. The knowledge of who He is must be abiding in us. We get this through His Word because why? John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, He is the Word. The the Word of God is a divine expression of who He is. In written form, He is the Word. In the beginning was the word, the word, the word was God. The word was with God, the word was God. He is his word. No believer that has been born again by the Spirit of God is incapable of living, is incapable of living a life of faith. Oh, I can't, I can't do that faith stuff. If you're born again of the Spirit of God, you are capable. You are capable. I want to encourage you with that this morning. Whatever it is you're believing God for, if it's in line with his will, you are capable of receiving that. Don't disqualify yourself. Like precious faith. It's a fruit of your spirit. You've already been given it. You know, when God created the earth, he placed everything in it that we need. God doesn't create a second time. He created once and then what he created had the ability to sustain and to reproduce and do whatever. Okay? He doesn't create over and over. He created once. When he, when he created, he put everything in place that we would need. You see, man mightn't discover it straight away, but that doesn't mean it's not there. The electricity that powers this building was always available. Yes, was always available. What stopped this building from receiving it? This building had to be prepared to receive it. It had to be wired. It had to be constructed in a way that it was going, electricity was going to be able to come in. And then it had to get connected to the electricity source that doesn't mean the ability wasn't there it just means the building man who's in operation of the building had to do something to receive it to prepare to receive it you need to prepare your heart to receive from him you need to prepare yourself to get what he has for you and that's another thing and I shared this recently in Dundalk We need to get out of this mindset of when we need to receive something or believe for God for something that, oh, we're receiving from the outside in. Oh, God, I need to get this. It's out there somewhere. I need to get this. It's out over here. I need to, I'm believing God for this. I'm believing this is going to come to me. Church, it's on the inside of you. You receive from the inside out, not from the outside in. It's in your spirit, man. 1 John chapter 4, and verse 17, one of my favorite verses, it says, just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. How could you say that? I'm not saying it. The Word says it. The Word says it. But how could we be like Jesus? He's the Son of God. Because when you were reborn, you were made just like Him. Your spirit, man, is perfect. It has been, it, the Bible says that um, we were recreated in true righteousness and holiness. You can't perfect true righteousness. You're already perfected. He's already given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. Oh, but I'm sick. I feel these things. You're fighting against the physical. You're fighting against those things that are trying to come upon you. Get a hold of what's on the inside and draw it out. You need to understand spirit, soul, and body. You need to understand that there's three parts to you. Your spirit is where it has everything in it. And your soul, your mind, that is the funnel between your spirit and your body. So if that's lining up with your body your flesh and your sickness and everything else, your spirit gets quenched. Your spirit gets put down, dulled, should I say. But see, if you get your mind lining up with your spirit, how do we do that? Renew your mind by the word of God. Romans chapter 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by how? The renewing of your mind. You have to reprogram your mind. When you were born again, Yes, you were born again of the Spirit of God, recreated in true, per- true righteousness and holiness, made perfect, made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But your mind's going to need work. Only one part of you has been redeemed. The other two parts have been, you know, your, like I said, your spirit, soul, and body. But see, until we receive our glorified body, that's when we reach our full, prote- uh, our full perfection, spirit, soul, and body. So you need to start receiving from your spirit, man. That's the part that's on the inside. And I'm winding down here, okay? How can we expect to walk in all things pertaining to life and godliness unless we know the source from where it's coming? How can this building, how can we expect these words to be on this screen, these lights to be on, that, that, which I hope is air-conditioned because I'm sweating <laughs> running through these things. How can we expect these things to be working? unless we prepare the building to receive the power, unless we're connected to who provides it, The problem is never the source, it's always the receiver. Stop blaming God, stop being a victim. You're not a victim, you're a victor. Stop blaming God for what's happened in your life and start, stop making excuses. The problem is never the source; it is the receiver. When it comes to God's word and Him, it's never the source. We've been given the like precious faith, but unless we walk in it and the knowledge of God, we won't be able to operate. To operate, and you see, Peter knew God. He walked with Him. Like I said, he was a disciple. He communed with Him daily. And something else about Peter: Peter made mistakes. This is the same guy who denied him three times. So no guilt, no condemnation. Don't allow condemnation to stop you from receiving from God. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, stop feeling condemned. If you're feeling condemned, that's not from God. Let me tell you that now. It is not from God. That's from the enemy trying to get you trapped in that place of not being able to move or receive or do anything for God because of what you've done in the past or because of who you are. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Now, your own spirit can tell you when you're doing something, when you're walking in unrighteousness, it can convict you. It can tell you, you can feel those thoughts of your, those feelings of, I shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's because it doesn't want to do it. When we walk in unrighteousness, because we've been perfected in our spirit, when we walk in unrighteousness, we're, we're pulling Jesus right into that with us. Think about that the next time you go to do something unrighteous. Grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of God, and our faith and everything else we need to please him and live for him has already been given to us through the knowledge of him. Church, we need to get ourselves rooted in him and receive the nourishment the nourishment from him to strengthen our like precious faith. Really quickly then in verse four, it says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And really quickly, I want to read it in the Passion. It says, the Passion translation, for all of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the, prom- through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Don't you just love how it says, how it compares knowing him as a rich experience? through the rich experience of knowing him. Church, if you know the Lord this morning, you are richer than most of the world. But I don't have this. My bank account says that. You are rich because you know him. I'm telling you something now. You need to start viewing things in the light of eternity. We get so focused on what's happening here and now and we realise this is just a blip. This is just like a, a flicker of an eye, this life. But we we'll see when you're focused on eternity, it shrinks what you're going down. shrinks it, what you're going through. Start viewing things in the light of eternity. It's a rich experience to know Him. There's nothing more satisfying and nothing more beneficial than knowing God on an intimate level. Everything we need to live victoriously and pleasing to Him has already been lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him. Church, it's a knowledge issue. Get to know Him. I do know Him. Get to know Him more. There's always deeper levels, there's always more. You don't get to a certain point of renewing your mind and, and think that you've arrived. No, you keep doing it. It's a continual process. Our like precious faith is birthed, nourished and grown in intimacy. He has called us by name and he's revealed to us his goodness. He makes these promises great and precious that they are and he qualifies us to receive them. But see, the thing is, have we applied our faith and claimed them as our very own? See, the word says that were partakers the word says that he's you know he's given us these these great and precious promises but see we, to, in order to make them your very own you need to grab a hold of that like precious faith and claim them how do you do that you get to know him it's through the knowledge of him through his word through intimacy through that place where he can pour into you that rhema word that logos word that's washing over you smith wigglesworth said consume the word until it consumes you What a powerful statement. Consume the word until it consumes you. He wouldn't even allow a newspaper into his house. I'll leave that there. I know Pastor was teaching legalism a wee bit on Wednesday. You know, what the world today calls as legalism. People would view that as, ah, that's just legalistic. He needed to get a hold of grace. I'm telling you, if I operate in a fraction of what he operated in, I'm going to be doing what he done. Paul said to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Church, we need to see the people in our lives that are planted, that are looking to him, that God is using. And we need to start saying, "I, you know, you're not looking to man, but you're looking to Jesus in the man. Okay, And that's what you are focusing on, is him at all times. Consume the word until it consumes you. What does Hosea 4, 6 say? My people perish from what? Lack of faith? No, lack of knowledge. How can you operate something that you don't know? If you don't allow, if you don't allow the goodness of God's word to consume you, the carnal knowledge of the world will. And this will always choke the word in your life and you will disqualify yourself from receiving. God doesn't count you out. Let me tell you that this morning in closing. He doesn't count you out. He doesn't disqualify you. We are the ones who stop ourselves. So we need to remember, we have like precious faith and we have everything we need to walk in victory. Start acting like the overcomers God has made you to be. Church, the world needs us to be a light, a city on a hill. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We're called to be the light. If we're allowing darkness to consume us, how are people going to get to know him? Where are we going to be able to pave the way for him, for people to get to him? Remember the Great Commission. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're in the world, but we're not of it. You can't look like the world and point people to Jesus. You would look like everybody else. Be separate. We're called to be different. The world needs what we have, and a defeated, miserable mindset ain't gonna attract them. So wake up, grab a hold of what God's given you, and an unshakable conviction in Christ is what's gonna bring people to Him. The goodness of God, Church, leads people to rep- leads people to repentance, not preaching hellfire and brimstone to them. The goodness of God. Are you? Are you? Can you say this morning, are you an instrument for his goodness? Can people see his goodness on your life? Have you been receiving what he's given you? Because that's what's going to lead people. Be bold, be courageous and be unstoppable in your faith. He has qualified you and you are able. And guess what? He is willing. Did that encourage you this morning? Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. We glorify your mighty name, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to gather with my church family, Lord. We're all one body. Thank you, Father, for these wonderful people. Thank you for these people, Lord, that took, that took this opportunity, Lord, to come and sit in your house this morning, to receive from you, Oh Father, Lord, now I just come into agreement, Lord, with their act of faith, Lord, to, to get to know you more and more, to seek you, Father, that you're going to continue to reveal to them, Lord, the truths of your word, to know that you've already poured out everything on them, that all things pertaining to life and godliness they've already received. So I thank you, Father, Lord, that we, we get to know you more. We get into that place of intimacy and we stay there You've called us, Lord, to be in the secret place. We dwell in the secret place. We don't move around. We live there. We plant ourselves there. We dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. So I thank you, Father, that we plant ourselves in the nourishment of your word, in the nourishment that we receive from your spirit, and we do not step outside the boundary of those things. We will not allow the world or carnality or distractions or lies choke the word. So I thank you, Father, the word that we receive here this morning and continue to receive in our lives, Lord, it will grow grow, and it will produce fruit and it will produce a harvest in our lives. We attach our faith to those things, knowing, Father, that you are a good father, knowing that you, Lord, love us with an unconditional love. So, Father, we declare Psalm 91. We thank you, Father, that you protect us everywhere we go. You protect us in our homes, in our workplaces, when we're coming and when we're going. We thank you that angels, ministering angels, are sent forth. Oh, Father, to protect us, to give to us, to get to us what we need, what you desire us to have. And more than anything, we're led by your Spirit in everything we do. So I thank you. I declare, Lord, that no wickedness, no plague, no sickness, no disease has any power over us. We declare those things, that no wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself will prosper or hinder us or harm us in any way. We will grab a hold of who we are in you and we will walk accordingly. Father, help us this week, Lord, to walk as you desire us to walk pleasing unto you in everything we do. Help us, Father. Give us opportunities to speak to the lost. Give us opportunities to walk in love. Give us opportunities to walk in that compassion. All while ministering the way you want us to minister, dealing with the problems that people are facing and being led by your Spirit and everything, Lord. So we thank you for those opportunities to be ambassadors for you. We are your disciples, Lord. Use us. Use us as you please. So we thank you, Father, that we will walk in love towards one another. We'll walk in love towards you and we will apply our faith because we want to please you more than anything else. So I declare with my brothers and sisters here this morning that here at Island Church, we are covered by your blood. We're empowered by your word and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located in the city at 76 Strand Road and we would love for you to call in and join us. Details are on our website at islandchurch.co.uk.